The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I am joined by the boss man himself, Lester Wiltfong. It's April 4th. Nothing specific has happened, but it was about time we put something on the channel. Lester, that's about how it feels right now, isn't it? Like, we've got some signings to go through, but it's not as if we're getting, we're, you know, dusting off the breaking news banner every couple of days. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're off a few days. It's actually, April eighth. Gracious. So you're you know you're, you're you're living in the past for now with all that stuff going on in there at the at the brand new house, brand new baby. Big L on it's my head. <laughs> Life gets in the way face. sometimes of even the dates. It's all good. Oh my goodness, you have no idea. But the <laughs> nice thing, look, if I could be, if I could just open up, like let's answer. I think a question that we've got to start with, Lester. What do we think of Ryan Poles' offseason so far? And I have to walk back some freneticism that I know I purported about two weeks ago at the start of free agency because I, like a lot of people, was so just heads down on we've got to help Justin Fields. We have to surround Justin Fields with talent. And I do still believe that. I'm not about to say that Justin Fields is well surrounded with talent right now, but I know I went through an exercise where I was convinced, Lester, the Bears needed a trade for a wide receiver. And the wide receiver that I had in mind, yeah, DK Metcalf would be great if the price for wide receivers wasn't so high, but I had Devontae Parker on my brain. And I went through mock draft scenarios because PFF just recently added the ability to trade for a player. That's and fun. Yeah. my thought was I would trade back in the or from 39, pick up a third, trade the third for Devontae Parker, and every time I did, I couldn't justify Parker versus whether it's Alec Pierce or Calvin Austin. Like the pick that I got was so useful that Parker didn't make any sense anymore. And it suddenly started to really crystallize, in my opinion anyways, that it's possible for Poles to do a lot of what we want him to do through the draft. Obviously, it'll be risky. Not every pick is a hit, and everybody knows that. But that there are big steps forward that this team could make from the draft in particular that second wave signings, cut candidates will bolster, but this definitely is a tear down season. And at the very least, it doesn't seem like Justin Fields is going to be in quite the predicament that he was last year. Yeah. I was hoping for a a trade for a receiver as well. 
Uh, I wasn't looking to trade something quite as high. I was thinking to think a trade like a like a late day three pick for a vet. I thought that made sense. But but like you said, it, at the end of the day, this team is not competing for a title this season. They're a couple years away. So why would you waste any draft capital on a veteran that's not going to be part of your championship team? You know, once you get there. So you know what? Yes, it's it's riskier to go with a. Uh, a, a third round pick like, like Alec Pierce and it is to trade for a proven guy. That's a proven NFL player. But it, at the end of the day, it's about that hope. It's about the promise of what you have. And right now let's see what they have as a franchise, because like we're not, we're not winning now. You know, it's, it's going to no. be a couple of years down the road. You know, the, the improvements could come, but a veteran like Parker, as much as I was on board with that as well for a third round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Uh-uh. If you could have got him for a seventh, yeah, maybe that'll give Justin Fields a nice guy to kind of go to when he had to. But this team needs young talent, and that's what they want. And it's worth mentioning, Lester, that you just mentioned if they could get him for a seventh. You got to remember what we're talking about here, because I do think this happens all the time where people look and they say, yeah, if you could get DK Metcalf for a second round pick, I'd do it. And it's like, whoa, we're talking about a 900 yard, like 1300 yard cap, 24 year old receiver. You're going to it's going to cost more than that. I mean, yeah, all I'm saying is that people tend to devalue what trades should be because Devontae Parker is if you take a 17 game season an 850 yard X receiver and he's only about 29 years old. It's not the world's greatest trade asset but when you say it like that it sounds like it's going to cost more than a seventh round pick doesn't it i mean yeah there's no easy route here but the bright side is is that polls said he stated before things went or like started getting wild that his plan was to wait until second and third wave of free agency i like a lot of people freaked out about the fact that i thought for some reason that it was like okay yeah but at least we're gonna get some offensive linemen right Right, and then the Bills matched a huge RFA offer in Ryan Bates, and really all we're left with right now is Lucas Patrick. So don't have as much oil help as maybe I would like. I'm not going to lie. that It's something that I am hoping that the right cut candidate or the right price for somebody like J.C. Treader or plenty of the other linemen that are out there comes together. But when I see signings like they uh, the Bears recently brought in Tavon Young, nickel corner from Baltimore that gives them an official starting three cornerbacks that isn't just disgusting to look at, uh, they... Brought in, obviously, or Ryan Griffin, a former tight end from the Jets, who he's fine, but at the very least, this gives the Bears two starting tight ends, so to speak. Uh, they brought in, or they've got Anthony Hitchens, former Cowboys Fluce linebacker that also played on the Chiefs coming in, could be a potential Sam or Mike linebacker. They've got enough players swirling around at this point that, I mean, it's going to sound silly, Lester, but this is like watching your Madden Ultimate team go from 65 overall players up to 79 or 80 yeah. or even 75 overall players. It's not a great jump for most teams, but when your earlier starting nickel was Kendall Vildor, Tavon Young is a big jump in the right direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you look at the the, the guys at linebacker right now, yeah, you have uh, Roquan, um, and then you have the guy they signed, Morrow. But if they do get a guy like Hitchens in here – that's a culture signing. He's a guy that comes in. He knows the Matt Eberflus system. He knows how he expects the, the players to act. And he knows the defense. So you sign a guy like him. And like I said, right now he's just visiting. He he, he came in to Hallis Hall on uh, Thursday. But it makes sense. You know, if you connect the dots, he knows polls from his time in KC. 
He knows Matt Eberflus from his time in Dallas. Perfect signing. Still relatively young. Not the best player, but he knows the scheme. He knows the system. And if if the worst-case scenario is you sign him and he ends up being one of your top reserves, that's a win for the franchise. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's just about making sure that the Bears have, to some extent, Lester, it could be as simple as warm bodies at some of these yeah. positions. But it's about picking up guys. I mean, you've got plenty of corners on the market. They're not exciting names. Don't get me wrong. But there are options out there at offensive line, at corner. Uh, they brought in, oh, my word, is it Cruikshank? Because Cruikshank. Perfect. Yeah. Dane Cruikshank, who I know our own uh, EJ Snyder is very excited about. And even at safety, there are still options out there, whether you go in the draft with a guy like By- or Brian Cook or you sign a guy like Taran Matthew. I mean, it's easy to forget that the dust hasn't totally settled on guys that we would even still consider good players, like the 29-year-old center, J.C. Treader. It's just a matter of seeing how the money's going to work, and right now we haven't seen any void years. We haven't seen anything that suggests that Poles and uh, their new ca- or the guy that they brought back, is it Line A? Cliff Stein, yeah. Or Stein, thank you, because it used to be Line A, and I was like, I know I'm getting these names confused. But they don't seem to want to shift money forward into the future, which means that we should see sort of an all-out approach to free agency next year. But this year, it's as much about cobbling a team together and making the money work as anything else. It's all about finding guys that that are NFL starter level. Not all pros, not pro bowlers. Guys you feel they can come in and start and be a professional football player for this season. Right. And you mentioned a guy like Cruikshank. He started, I think, four games for the Titans last year. He's not a guy you look at and say, yeah, he's a he's a clear-cut starter, but he started. If he had to start, he could start for you. Same with uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. He started a few games last year. If he has to start next to Eddie Jackson, if that's the guy that wins the job, you're comfortable as a defense knowing you got a guy that you can at least trust to a point. He has some limitations, of course, but now you have options. So this is what this offseason is. The free agencies are options. Mm-hmm. A guy like Tavon Young at nickel. You know, I never even thought of him until the Bears no. signed him. I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. He has some injury issues in the past. But I think just three years ago, he was signed to big money deal as the highest paid nickel in the game. So the talent is there. He's had a couple ACL injuries. I think he had a neck injury. He played all 17 games last season. Maybe he's healthy. At the very least, like you said, he's an upgrade at nickel over what the Bears have had a season right. ago. You go from that like 64 overall up to 75, like 75, 79, maybe with some upside. But I mean, I could go on a whole diatribe about how excited I am about Thomas Graham, but we'll save that for another podcast because in a world where you play the kids, right? I think you're more likely to find gem UDFAs purely because they get playing time and gem old picks from other or from other pieces of the regime. Graham could easily fit in this cover two defense and with as a former six round pick with a couple more years of control that's a good thing our own ken mitchell brought up something that i think is really interesting and important to talk about because i've seen comments about how polls hasn't done anything exciting or impressive super fair he hasn't done anything truth be told like fundamentally speaking he hasn't had his first draft yet so if you're not impressed that's normal but This time last year, Ryan Pace brought us a very expensive Andy Dalton, who has now found a new team. The year before that, he paid a lot of money for Nick Foles, who has yet to find a new team. There is truth to the idea, it's Masters weekend, I'll make a comparison here, Lester, that doing nothing 
is like playing it safe. And doing the wrong thing just puts you in the rough. And sometimes the answer isn't to try to take the shot over the trees. It's to just lay it up on the fairway, make a shot that you, or take a shot that you can follow up instead of trying to be a superhero and digging yourself into a hole. A lot of teams will fight, fight, fight to be, what, what would you say, nine and eight? 10 and 7, that the goal is to quote-unquote sneak into the playoffs and quote-unquote see what happens, and the Raiders got obliterated. I mean, a lot of these teams that do that, the, the Bears only two years ago got annihilated by the Saints. It's not a winning recipe, and so to see the Bears at the very least not overcommit to something that they shouldn't be involved with, but instead set up for the future, it makes a lot of sense. It just makes me uncomfortable about what Justin Fields is going to do next. Was that a tin cup reference you worked in there? Tin the where? Tin cup. That that's the the, the Kevin Costner movie Tin Cup. I, Wasn't if, that what? The, if it was, it was on accident. You'll and, have to and, watch it. If you've ever seen it, it's a pretty good golf movie. It's got cheats in there as well. So go check that out. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you though. I think that if you look at Ryan Pace, his off seasons were more exciting. But what was the Bears' record the last few years? You know, they were hovering around 500. Of course, then of course last year it kind of fell, fell apart. So this approach by Ryan Poles. Not exciting, not sexy, but this team does not need exciting sex right now. They need stable professional players. And as you mentioned, Justin Fields, the biggest thing that's going to help Justin Fields improve as a quarterback is getting Matt Nagy's offense out of here. Luke Getze's scheme, the I mean, let's just take a look at Mitch Trubisky, that four-game stretch where the Bears committed to doing more bootslide concepts. They didn't have that entire offense put in, but Trubisky looked competent in that four-game stretch. Once you came up against, you know, the Packers, the Saints, of course, you know, he, he did not look the same guy. But when you played those those bad defenses, he looked pretty good. Now let's take that. That's going to be a basis of what now Justin Fields is doing. He's on the move, run the ball, play action. This all plays well with what he wants to do as a quarterback because he wants to run the play action, take a little time, look downfield, take a deep shot, you know, loosen things up, commit to the run. They got to build the old line a little bit. I think another vet's coming. Maybe two veterans are coming. He'll address it in the draft for sure. So, I there's no there's not one doubt in my mind that the Bears' offense will be better than it was the last few years when it was a bottom third offense every year under Matt Nagy. Oh, for sure. And hey, Lester, at the risk of saying something almost blasphemous, you know, it is possible for Justin Fields to develop even without a ton of help around him. I mean, it doesn't sound realistic, right? I mean, that would be the breeding ground for bad habits, and it would be. But it's worth remembering that Deshaun Watson, at one point, led the Texans to a 4-12 and season, and nobody thought he was secretly bad, right? Nobody really started asking questions. They said the Texans are absolutely terrible. I can't believe that he's doing what he's doing with this roster, and even so, they're still losing games. Fields, if he can get like some draft help, I don't want to pigeonhole anything because then if I say they're going to go lineman and receiver in the first two rounds, of course they're going to draft a linebacker and a defensive tackle, sense, yeah. right? But, yeah. uh, but <laughs> if they get that or that extra wide receiver in the draft, who we're not thinking will be Jamar Chase, 
right? We're probably looking at a 600-yard receiver if he has a really good year. But even just adding talent within a changed scheme and stabilizing the offensive line a little bit will give Justin Fields enough to take a step forward. Will he suddenly be an MVP candidate? Probably not, just due to the weapons and the talent around him. That argument still matters. But, I mean, we did this dance with Trubisky for a while too, Lester. Fields shouldn't need 10 All-Pros around him just to show that he can take a step forward. Darnell Mooney will be in his third year. He just cracked a thousand yards. Byron Pringle is a legitimately solid slot option. Not anything more than a wide receiver three at best in your pecking order, but still helpful. I mean, we're coming out of the Nagy offense, which I know you and I are both really excited about. It doesn't mean that it'll be a banner year. It may not even mean that he cracks 4,000 yards, but Things like don't jump and try to throw a screen pass over a defensive tackle that's already on you. Things like hold on to the ball and don't fumble, what, 11 times. Things like completing the plays that he was so close to creating on third downs and second downs that seemed to fall a foot or two shy for one reason or another. I think we can see a lot of that. And the offense itself may still not be healthy or even good, but not dead last in pass attack (laughs) is sort of the, the bar here. And I think that's something he could probably clear. I think you nailed it. The bar is really, really low. And, and, and not just compared to what's happened with Nagy era, compared to Bears quarterbacks throughout history, the bar is really, really low. If Justin, I mean, there's a chance if Justin Fields plays all 17 games. And of course, he has to prove that first. He's obviously had some injuries last year. But if he does too. that, 3,800 yards is nothing for a professional quarterback. That's the Chicago Bears franchise record. <laughs> You know, Justin Fields could have a very, very basic, boring year and break the Bears record. It's just a weird thing to think about, but it's it's possible. Oh, it's totally possible, especially since you got to think that they're going to move to a little bit more of what Fields wants to do. I mean, Nagy's West Coast scheme, I thought for sure. I mean, given that I think I had one of the longer leashes on Matt Nagy, maybe out of anybody associated with the Bears media, I learned a lot about offense through the rise and demise, if you will, of Matt Nagy and how not everything, just because it's explainable, is good, especially when it comes to the difference between teaching something, which Nagy's staff really struggled with, versus the ideated plan, right? But Justin Fields would have, or let's put it this way, Russell Wilson would have struggled just as much in uh, Matt Nagy's scheme. He might not have made some of the downright stupid rookie errors that Fields made, but Russ wasn't a West Coast thrower either, right? Russ was, or Russ prefers routes where the receivers are moving. Russ prefers a lot of play action. Russ prefers to throw the ball beyond 20 yards if he can on just about any given play. And a lot of that profile matches pretty well with Fields. So if Getze can take, it's funny because I've been going through some Packers tape, which, you know, watching the Packers succeed is the worst. But it's hilarious, Lester, because half of the Packers offense is going to port straight over to the Bears. A lot of the play action stuff. A lot of the bunch sets, a lot of the way that they disguised things and worked out of stuff. And then, especially on second and third downs, 
suddenly they would shift to West Coast, and I was like, that's Rodgers. Like, there was a piece of this offense you can tell that was Rodgers' stuff, and he was good at it. Of course he would be. But I think that we'll see a lot a better cohesion. Is it going to be perfect? It doesn't need to be. I think it was somebody in our comments just a little while ago that said, if they can even be 50% cohesive, that's 50% more than it was last year. <laughs> and I wish we weren't overstating it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's such a... A, a ridiculous comment, but when you it's true. I mean, the, there was so, so many mistakes last year with the Nagy offense as far as the penalties, the timeouts, then a penalty after the timeout. I think the Bears, you know, they, that was like their, their staple, you know. But there is so much <laughs> stuff, you know, there is so much stuff that happens within what, what Luke gets. He's bringing from the Packers, you know. The one thing you didn't mention is this pass protection. You know, they're going to scheme up ways to protect, whereas last year we saw too many times the tackles were left on an island. We saw too many times it was five-man protection. We saw too many times where the running back – I'm not going to – you don't know whose fault it is. A lot of times you're not sure which way he's supposed to go, but it seemed like he went the wrong way. I know with Khalil Herbert, he had some issues with this. Montgomery was better as a, in pass pro, but here, now with Herbert, he's in his second year. He'll get better at that area. So they're going to they're gonna scheme the protection better. They're going to scheme up more open receivers. They're going to get fields on the move. They're going to run the play action, which will help, you know, help slow things down from the pass rush. And they seem like they're going to commit to run a little bit more because, like you said, they, they, they signed Ryan Griffin, who was another inline block and tight end. They also signed Kerry Blastengame, who was a fullback. So they're building pieces on this offense to where you might look at it and say, hey, maybe they're going to try and do a little more of the, uh, the, the downhill running stuff, which will let fields then work those bootlegs off it. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, Lester, look, okay. I'll bring something up that could start a fire, and I hope it doesn't, right? But That's your thing, though. You always do that. I, I love do, it. don't I? Uh, okay. But anyways, let's talk about Cole Komet even just a little bit because I think he's a great example of just how important scheme can be, right? Cole Komet caught for 600 yards, and it's. Uh, I think Jonathan Wood's doing some work on him right now. Cole Komet did not play particularly well against man, but he caught 600 yards, especially against zone defenses, because whether it was victimizing a linebacker or even just running to a spot, an inline tight end can get open purely because they are an inline tight end sometimes. And it's, I don't want to say easier, but they can attack pockets of the field that are left a little bit more vulnerable than defensive backs will often leave things. And I bring this up purely to say that Ryan Griffin being signed doesn't necessarily mean that the Bears are going to run the ball more often. It might just mean that they're going to gesture as if they're going to run the ball more often. I mean, let's not forget the impact Robert Tanyan had on that Packers offense, which was frustrating for Bears fans because he would just show up at at all of the wrong times and collect a lot of yards. There's a little bit, at least I am excited about the idea that whether it's more tight ends, because this is actually a great tight end class. The Bears could get a cool, cool tight end in the fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh round. But like there are the Bears could do a lot more, let's say, formations that make sense. And there's a lot of tight end usage that correlates really well with selling play action. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't line up in five wide and run play action and expect it to work obviously. So run heavy formations tend to marry that idea really well. So I'm loving it because whether they run the ball more or not, the impression I get is that they want to have Justin Fields start with that deep 
fake handoff, turn around, your receivers have had the extra two and a half seconds to get downfield and launch that ball. That's an offense that I could get behind very, very quickly. You know, I'm a fan of the tight end position. I like watching good tight end play. And Cole Komet, he is not a good tight end yet, but he's very young. And he's super young. And he's, he's you know, got he's, good he's straight athletic. line speed. It, it sounds straight like we're dunking there. Like, no, he's he's a he's a he's a decent football player, but a lot of fans and you know what we see a lot is because of where he was drafted. You know what? I look at draft status once they're picked. That's that that's out Who the cares? window. You know, once you put that Bears jersey on and you step on the field at Hallis Hall, now you have to produce. Whether you're a second rounder, an undrafted free agent, wherever you are, you have to yep. produce at that point. And then especially now, the, the regime that drafted Cole Komet is gone. You know, there are no ties to him into the old regime. So I think we're going to see Cole Komet, who, like you said earlier, was not very efficient in what he did last year. He, the drops were too high. You know, he didn't get, you know, uh, there were no chunk plays. You know, he was just basically a guy that a lot of guys could have got those yards or empty yards. But I think he's a good enough player where, like you mentioned, with the scheme – you know, he's going to sneak around in, in, in those split zone play action plays where, he, you know, he, he goes back over the top or comes, comes back underneath the, the formation. They're going to sneak him out into the flat. And if, if all he is is just a check down guy that is there when you need him to be, he's pretty decent with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's tough to bring down. You know, he has to hold on to the ball and he has to run, you know, straight and, and, and make those plays. But he's not, you know, Adam Shaheen. You know, he's, he's a – at least he has a, a somewhat of an athletic uh, composure with him. He can do some things. I'm not expecting a pro ball out of him ever, but I am expecting him to be a solid football player for the Bears in, uh, for at least another couple of years until his contract's up. He's young. I think we have a tendency to overrate other tight ends. For instance, yeah. people make a Kyle Rudolph comparison, and I, I'm kind of with you. Like Schematically speaking, it's not as if I saw Cole Kmet rip off some massive play where he got wide open, but 600 yards speaks for itself. I mean, we there are like five good tight ends. Truly, like think think about it from a fantasy perspective for anybody who plays fantasy football. There's like five to eight tight ends that you actually want to draft, and then there's 24 open spots to yeah. be a top thirty mix and match the to whole be a top thirty-two yeah. tight end. Exactly. So, like, whether Komet's not going to be a you, he's not going to be a superstar. At least I don't think so. He's not going to be a word I've heard used a lot as a unicorn. But I specifically bring him up just to say, Lester, that scheme. And what a player's stated position is, like an inline tight end, can actually generate a lot more production than I think people realize sometimes. And a lot of people will hang like production entirely on talent, and I don't always think that's fair. Because there are plenty of cases. For instance, let's take Darno Mooney. He just had over 130 targets. Like, way too many targets for somebody like Darno Mooney and caught 1,000 yards. Does that mean that I think that he got over-targeted? I do. But also, he only collected 7.5 yards per target, which I think is in part because he was the only receiver worth covering. So yeah. as his targets come down, which they're not going to come down too far, Lester, I was looking at Darnell Mooney's second season compared to a lot of other Z receiver second seasons, and he had more than Tyler Lockett. He had, or like, And we're talking yards per game. Like He had more yards per game than Tyler Lockett. He had more yards per game than Robert Woods, and his yards per game was about 4 or 5. Five short of Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs, and even Cooper Cup. That's not to say that Mooney's going to be at that level, but I do. You just wonder... said he's the next Cooper Cup. No, it, I that's, d- that's going to be all across Twitter Lesser, by, by tomorrow morning. What I am saying 
is that Darnell Mooney might be yeah. being underrated just a little bit yes, because he we've is. heard so much he's a good number two that it's taught us that I'm expecting a 600 to 700 yard receiver. And I think Mooney will more than likely hover around the eight and a half to 1100 mark for basically the rest of his career with more than likely a healthy 105 to 110 targets a year. What do you think? You know, he's, he's 5'11", 185 or 175. He needs to put on some some more mass. And, you know, he, he's working out with Justin Fields the whole offseason. You know, he may have put on some some good weight. It looked like, it on, on, you know, on, on the clips on, on, on the IG, what the kids all watch there, it looked like he, he bulked up a touch. I'm interested to see what he weighs in at. I mean, if he can come, you know, 190-ish, I mean, if he adds a little bit of, of muscle, you know, we're so focused on what he isn't. Yeah. You know what? What is he's a damn good receiver. He, he's a good route runner. He has great speed. You know he obviously has the trust of of the QB one. You know so that's that's in his favor. So if he maxes out as a really damn good slot guy for you, I think that's fine. He's not Julio Jones. They play different games. Right. I know when a lot of when a lot of fans think of a, of a wide receiver one, we think of a guy like that, AJ Green. Julio Jones, uh, Brown with the Titans. That's who we look at, a big physical presence. That's not his game. You know, he can be a top receiver for the Bears and still not crack that that, that wide receiver one echelon, but that's okay. He's quality. Mm -hmm. I think so. Absolutely. And frankly, I think maybe an understanding of who Mooney is is really key here because, Lester, we got to talk about the draft. We've got to talk about what's coming up because there are some guys out there that the Bears may sign. But I think you and me pining over who they could potentially bring in is about as useless as that sounds. What really matters is that we know they've got at least three day three picks, top 100 picks, and potentially more. Let's talk about it on the other side of this break. So we'll step away for commercial. And Bears fans, don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a little bit. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with Lester Wiltfong as we're going to get into some draft theory. I, I want to make this clear. We're not talking specific picks. Not only does Lunch Pill Draftcast do a great job, but we're going to be covering that a little bit later as we get up to the draft. I know I am still finishing draft prep myself, though if you keep it your eyes on Run Pass Opinion, my YouTube channel, you'll see an Alec Pierce breakdown here shortly. Definitely going to put something at least up about Tyler Smith. Let me know what other players you want to see, like very ticky, or like drill down breakdowns about, but Lester... I do think there's something to be said for we can talk in platitudes. We can say offensive line, trade down, so on and so forth. As you look at the team right now, what are you thinking of the positions that you need to prioritize and how would you go about prioritizing them? You know, I think it this draft plays in the well what the Bears need. They need a receiver, you know, and they need some more depth in the O-line. And those two positions are fairly deep where I mean, you talked about earlier, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole them and taking those two spots in, in the second round. But the way the board's going to fall, those may be your best picks to go there, whether it's wide out first, O-line second, or, or vice versa. You know, you have to weigh your board. But, you know, I talked about it on, on, on the last show I was on. And, you know, if you look at the, the top 40 picks, there's only been eight wide outs ever that's the most been taken in that, in that span there. You know, and the, and the Bears are going to get a pretty quality receiver because this draft class, you know, you can rattle off guys in that 10 to, to – to 15, 10 to 16 range, you're thinking, yeah, those they have really good upside. A guy like Pierce is in there, a guy like Sky Moore is in there. You know, there's some quality receivers that if the Bears just stay put, let the board come to them, 
take the best guy there, you know, whether it's Watson from, you know, he's another guy that, that could be there in, in, when the Bears pick a 39, pick the best player available. And then maybe with the next, the next pick on or the 48, 49, maybe now you look to trade back. And that's something Ryan Pulse talked about. He talked about the analytics of trading back. This is really cool to hear him talk about this, where he understands that there's value in moving back, but you got to do it if you have the right group of players available. If you have a certain amount of players you really want, you know, I know, uh, uh, Ryan Pace talked about that was his cloud of players, you know, but he, he would, he would not really follow through with that. He would screw that up. If you have a cloud of 10 players that you feel comfortable picking at this spot, then let's trade back six, six or seven spots. You'll still get one of those guys you want. Mm-hmm. And now you're picking up an extra pick. I think Ryan Poles will trade back one of those second round picks for sure. I love that image of the cloud, the cloud picks. of players. Yeah. It's, it's such a cloud, but yeah, I, I agree with you. If anything, Lester, I actually think that the Bears might be better suited to trade back from 39 and stick at 48 yeah. no matter what. The yep. way that I've seen it is somebody had somebody explained it to me this way, right? They said, okay, the first 10 picks in round two are basically first round picks in the eyes of those that trade up. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? And they said, well, you think about it. So the whole first round takes an entire day and then everybody goes home. They go back to their war room. They say, okay, Tevin Jenkins slid into the second round. What do we think we can do to get them? And all the people start pounding tables and it's not 15 minutes per pick anymore. You know, for a fact that these guys are going to be available. And if you don't seven minutes in in a round two, yes, but yeah, a whole evening to prepare, a yep. whole afternoon to make phone calls, just like the Bears had for uh, lined up for, I mean, yes, Tevin Jenkins, but also Justin Fields, that you can work out a lot of these trades early. I do think that this will take a bit of an iron stomach, Lester, because you can't trade up and also not have a player worth trading up for. So if the yeah. Bears are going to trade back, it's going to mean that um, whether it's an edge rusher that's fallen or even scarier, could be a guy like George Pickens that Bears fans want, could be a guy like Tyler Lindbaum that Bears fans want. I mean, there are silly players to pass on, Lindbaum probably being one of them, maybe yeah. even Pickens. But there are going to be players that other teams want, and I think, personally, if the Bears could move back into the mid-50s, maybe late 40s, we might be surprised at just how helpful that would be because then you still get 48, you get another pick, just a couple of picks later, and you probably add a third-round pick, maybe even like a sixth or seventh to just keep adding depth to that Bears offense. You mentioned the, the pro football-focused uh, mock draft simulator. That's what I do. Whenever I go on there, I kind of see what it is. I go to the uh, – there's a site. I can't remember the site. They, they show you the draft charts. The Jimmy Johnson, you know, the, uh, the, 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 I think there, there's a Spielberger ch- chart now, right? Isn't there? there mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different draft charts, point charts. And I look at the values of them. And like you said, those earlier picks do carry much more weight in the eyes of, of analysts and, and on the teams. Because another reason is how many times do you watch a first round and how many guys are picked? And you're, and you're saying, I never thought he would go that high. It happens all the time. There's the guys time. That, that go way too high that, that, that armchair analysts think. There's guys that fall that no one thinks. Just so when all the these Seahawks guys are, get on the board, it's exactly, every year. Yeah. They're going to take something ridiculous. You're like, well, that makes no sense, but it makes sense for them. You know, there's 32 teams and all 32 boards are differently. You know, some teams may not value a guy like, like, uh, like, like George Pickens, because they may not have a need for that type of receiver. They may have a guy like Sky Moore on their board higher because that fits their scheme better. Everyone's, everyone's board is differently. The board falls differently for everyone. 
you're going to see some surprises. And like I said, if they stay put, they'll get quality. But if you're going to trade back, that's the best spot to do it from. And speaking of players, because you mentioned guys like Sky Moore, you've talked about other receivers. I feel like there's a real double-edged sword here. So first of all, receiver got really expensive this year. So I think, especially as we've now seen the Vikings drafted Justin Jefferson and he exploded. The Bengals, maybe more importantly, drafted Jamar Chase. And whether fairly or not, Lester, I think a lot of people see drafting Jamar Chase as what took them from not even in the playoffs to now they're in a Super Bowl. Which may not be fair, but it's the way a lot of people are seeing it. Wide receiver, I think, is about to become an incredibly hot commodity, and that means the Bears have got to make sure that they don't just take a wide receiver, but they need to take the right wide receiver. Me personally, Lester, I think Sky Moore rules. Like, Sky Moore, um, John Dotson, there are a lot of good players that I can think of that could be there in that second round that are such obvious Z wide receivers to me, maybe even slot wide receivers, that drafting them with Darnell Mooney on the team and Equinemius St. Brown currently slated to start at X receiver just seems kind of silly. I mean, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, this comes down to George Pickens, Christian Watson, and Alec Pierce. And I'm not even going to place a ranking on those. I've got one in my head, but that's not even the point of this discussion. I can't help but feel like the Bears need to get one of them just for the, just to make their offense go. Because while there are some really solid receivers out there like Jalen Tolbert that could probably play a little bit of X, maybe you try to see if you could get... Um, Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada to play X. Like, you could get some guys that might hold water, but if it was me, there's that's such a roster hole that I'm gonna be really interested to see what pace or to see what polls does. Score one for the chat who said that a pace polls accident would happen. It did. But whether it's with 48, with 39, or with like that second round pick in the mid-50s. I would seriously consider overdrafting somebody like Alec Pierce at 55-ish. He's currently slated to be like 75 just to make sure I got somebody because they need somebody. And if they don't come away with one, that's going to be incredibly disappointing in my opinion. Yeah, I think getting uh, – I think with the receiving core, you want different body types. You want guys yeah. to do different things. I mean, yeah, the X is just traditionally a, a bigger, stronger player. He's on the line, so you want a guy that can understand that role. But, you know, in, in the NFL, you're moving around anyways. But but it is nice to have those different types of players. So that way, if, as a defensive back, you know, you have to deal with different – different body types you have to deal with the the guy like like mooney you have to deal with the guy who's bigger and taller more physical so you know not all corners follow receivers around they play their side for the most part so if you can attack a guy with speed you know this series the next series you're attacking him with the guy who's six foot five you know that's what you want it's it's kind of similar to what teams do with with the with the tailback spot you have a a bruiser and you have a a a guy that's a bit smaller and bit shiftier it's about the 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 linebackers not have to tackle different players it's about the the perspective they have when they're attacking an offense is now okay this guy is a bruiser he's gonna come at me in this hole this oh now 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 it's a guy like 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 cohen okay he's he this guy's gonna go outside more so it's all about having different options as an offense to attack a defense. And I think the Bears, partly because their roster is so bare right now, you know, they can go a lot of different directions and find a guy that doesn't fit what they currently have. Yep, absolutely. But then there's that question, right, of prioritization. I mean, I agree with everybody out there that says that you got to go best player available, right? Yeah. But 
that there is a means there. You can't take uh, Matt Ariza, the punter out of San Diego State, that our own Jacob Infante just did a for the brand breakdown on on Windy City Gridiron. You can't take him in the third round just because he's the best player, happenstantially on punter. Like positional value, the guys that you need on your team, all that stuff matters. So I'll hit you with another question here, Lester. How much are you prioritizing something like offensive line or even just offensive needs over defense? At what state, say that um, Devontae Wyatt, who, in case you don't know the name, is currently slated to go anywhere from 17th to 22nd as a defensive tackle. That would be a perfect three-tech, but he should be a first-rounder. For some reason, he slides to 39. He's the clear best player available and fits the scheme, but... Bears really need offensive line. They really need wide receiver. At what stage, how how heavy does the weight need to be on a defensive player in favor of your offensive selections to see polls potentially add to the defense early? That's a good question. I think a lot, like you said, a lot of it comes down to their board. You know, it's got to be how they have their board stacked. And if, you know, if, if they feel like a, like a top guy falls that plays, plays a position where it may not be a spot they need, but it's a it's a damn good football player sitting there. Now you got to work the phones and look to trade back because if if you take that that the DT at that spot, he's definitely going to be a good a good player for the Bears. But can you take that position, trade back? You know, someone else has him now on their team, but now you have an extra draft pick to, to, that you're going to have there in the in the third round possibly. So it's all options. And I think I think with the Bears, you know, again we talked about wideouts, we talked about O line, pretty deep. You know, so I think the trade back, everyone wants to trade back. Every team wants to move back and, and, and pick up picks. It's it's much easier said than done. Okay. But even if they don't trade back, if, if, if they pick a, a linebacker or, or, a, or a, a D tackle with that first pick, if it's truly the best player on the board, then I, now Ryan pulls us to go back to the drawing board as far as his free agency pickups and work the wire because once the draft happens, what's next? Now teams start cutting veterans that they want to have, you know, make room for these young players. So there'll be quality out there somewhere. Ryan Paul just has to find them. And like you're saying, I mean, it could be very possible that somebody like that falls. Again, we just don't know. I mean, Tevin Jenkins was considered an obvious 23, 24, 25, like, pick. And when fans, the Bears, Bears fans wanted him at 20. Yeah. I mean, that was considered a lock and then he yeah. fell. I don't think why it'll fall, but I know that what I think doesn't really matter. The draft board is almost just this living, breathing thing that we just can't really predict and people do their best, but you get the idea. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens. I do think that defensive tackle is the need like capital N need that Bears fans can forget about sometimes. I think they need help at offensive line, whether guard or tackle. I think that's kind of in the eye of the beholder. They need help at wide receiver, and they need that three-tech. The three-tech's just rare. I mean, I think it was you and me that were talking about it, Lester. They just don't make them like they used to, if they, yeah. if you will. Most guys are either space eater, uh, like nose tackles. They're outside, like defensive ends. There's a lot of edge rushers out there, but there's just not a lot of three techs, and the teams that need one draft them early. So yeah. I'm really curious to see what happens at that specific position because – Right now, I don't, I'm just not certain that Justin Jones is their be all end all solution, though he did get a decent choke of change. 
I haven't done a ton of, of stuff looking at defensive tackles, but the few I've looked at that I think could be there around the Bears range, the, the, it's a pretty deep class as well. There's some pretty good pretty good linemen for the Bears to, to, to look at this year, but I just think with the way the Bears' current roster is structured, with the way they have a defensive-minded head coach, he's putting in a system he truly believes in, I can see them getting by this first season with culture guys realizing, hey, we're going to bring in guys that, that that we trust, we believe in, that will help lay the foundation for for this for the scheme in year one. And then next season, we'll try and add more guys in the draft. I really think this draft will be offense heavy. But like you said, I would not be surprised. It, it all depends how the, how the board falls. I can't help but keep thinking about – so just the other day, um, one of our friends had me on his podcast, and it included a Cowboys pr- draft preview, right? And as I went through my work for the Cowboys, trust me, Bears fans, this this will make sense. I couldn't help but realize that they were a team very similar to the 2018 Bears where you could, as EJ would say it, roll the ball out and play a game today and they would be very, very good. It's not to say that the draft doesn't matter for a team like that, but it's more to say that you got bigger questions like Dak Prescott, like uh, what are you going to do? But the big reason I bring up the Cowboys here is because what we saw in their defense, the turnaround that took place, should be a nice reminder that if the Bears do go offense heavy, because most offensive players take a year, sometimes two, to really gel and find their footing, defensive players, not so much. Roquan Smith, plug and play. Micah Parsons, plug and play. We see defensive superstars just emerge out of nowhere almost all the time and sure there are some db or there namely db is a position that a lot of guys have to grow into but defensive tackles you're good just about out of the gate or kind of like we saw with solomon thomas maybe you're just not going to find it so if the bears do wait until next year to get that elite three tech in their eyes maybe it'll be an elite receiver certainly could be but I can't help but think, Lester, that it's not a coincidence that we saw Tavon Young, a nickel corner, and Anthony Hitchens in for a visit, a linebacker, that we're seeing a lot of these defensive one-year signings, Nicholas Morrow, Justin Jones. You get some offense, but I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of those defensive stop gaps are showing up on that side of the ball and that there are these gaping holes on offense. <laughs> I can't help but think that it's a very obvious offensive skew to the draft on its way. It should be. I mean, if you look at who they signed, you know, in free agency, you know, it's 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 filling knees and it's it's plugging holes, and that's what they're doing on defense. And you know, we talked about you know the guys you mentioned also, uh, uh, Dane Crookshank, you know, and they brought back, you know, one of the few guys they brought back from the old regime, uh, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, you know. So Love there's that, some guys. Way. Yeah, there's some guys that they're comfortable. Like I said, it's all about how comfortable are you. Are you, are you comfortable putting this guy as a starting safety? Yeah. I mean, is he the best? No, but you know, he still he has the youth on his side. He still has some room to grow as a as, as a football player. And playing that position, you know, you play it as much with your with your attributes physically and mentally as well. So, so maybe these guys are a little better. Maybe they'll play a little better. And then in this scheme with this, you know, the the hits philosophy, I'm excited to see how they all come together. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Lester, it's as much about expectations as is it, as it is anything. Am I? Do I think that Dane Kirkshank is going to start and immediately become an All Pro? No, no, I don't. Do I think that he's going to go out there and embarrass himself in the Eberflus Cover Two system? 
No, I think he can hold water, and that's the key, at least to what I'm seeing in a lot of these signings. Because the the bear started teased Haber last year at safety for a game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> these guys are upgrades over teased Haber. You know, so the, like I said, this team will be better. It may mm-hmm. not reflect to the record, but this team will be better, and it'll be young. More than likely. I would love, I've been thinking about this, I would love to see the Bears double dip at offensive line and wide receiver. I mean, uh, more than likely, we're not going to see two early wide receivers. There was a day and age where I thought that might be the case. I don't think that's that's likely. My guess would be if, if, again, if I got to make things go my way, right? I think the Bears could trade back. They've got four day three picks. They go three on offense, one on defense. So you'd be looking at like a defensive tackle or a safety, maybe in like the third round. But then you'd get uh, a wide receiver, that X receiver. You would get either the best line. Let's go best lineman available, right? I think Larry Borum looked dramatically better than a fifth round pick should. I also don't think you need to hand him the starting role. I don't even think you need to hand Tevin Jenkins the starting role. I mean, you and I used to joke about how dumb it is that like a first round talent gets drafted and, oh, we got to make him earn his position. But a guy like Borum in particular, if he's your swing tackle, your line's pretty solid. Like yeah. it, it would be much better to have a swing tackle that we could rely on rather than somebody goes down and we go, oh, my word, Lechavius Simmons is coming into the game. What on earth are we going to do? So... I'm curious to see whether they draft a tackle, whether they draft a guard. Guys like Cole Strange, Dylan Parham, Zach Tom, Tyler Smith. There are a lot of guards in this draft. There are a lot of guards. That actually fit what I think the Bears want to do. And that's a really good thing because as it stands, they don't really have a right guard. It was supposed to be Ryan Bates. It was, It's yeah. not Ryan Bates. Uh, which, by the way, really cool to see the transparency that we got from polls there about just how disappointed yeah. It was that the Bates move didn't work out. It, it was, I don't know, for me anyways, I thought it was a cool moment of vulnerability that we don't normally get from GMs. But I'm very interested to see what happens. They might find a tight end in a stacked tight end class. They might pick up a second. I wouldn't be surprised to see another wide receiver in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round should they add one yeah. through uh, through the draft. There are some late round guys like Bo Melton, like uh, Romeo Dobbs, depending on how far he falls, like Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor, that you could just add and go and see what happens. The nice thing is they've got their Z, they've got their slot, and it's just a matter of they got to add an X so that they've got a whole receiver room. But like you said, Lester, DK Metcalf doesn't sit out on X on his own either. Like he shuffles, he shuffles around. Darnell Mooney's had a little too much experience playing X receiver since Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird were the only people like next to him when Allen Robinson couldn't play. So I'm interested. I'm more optimistic than I thought I would be at this stage. And honestly, I think this draft is very key, right? If polls gets this right, the Bears could actually be comp- like very competitive in 2023 and very, very competitive in 2024. If he gets this wrong, could be a minute. So yeah. he's betting all his chips on the draft. I'm curious to see what happens next. Any final thoughts on the draft before we take a question or two? No, I mean, the draft is going to be fun. I mean, it's it's always fun for Bears fans, but this year especially because it's a new regime. And then, then we're also going to have to talk about the undrafted free agent market. Right now, the Bears still have the fewest players signed to the roster. They have the most open spots of, of any other team right now. So you're going to see them, depending on what they sign here the next couple weeks, they're going to have a lot of spots to fill, a lot of young talents to come in. They're going to see an opportunity in Chicago 
where they can come in and compete because there's not a lot of guys in the roster. And, you know, you're going to see Matt Eberflus target in, 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 in that, in that, in that uh, UDFA market, young, hungry, athletic hustlers. That's what you're going to see him bring in. It's going to be, you know, as, as fans that go to camp, we're going to love seeing it because we're going to see these guys all over the place. And we're going to fall in love with so many of these, of these young, uh, uh, UDFA types, it's going to be crazy. They're going to be like, it's going to be like, like Ryan Nall all over again. We're going to love all these guys. Ryan Nall, now a cowboy. Brand new cowboy. There he is. Hey, at least he's, he came to my neck of the woods. So now I get to hear people get really excited about Ryan Nall. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happened and we will never forget it. Not quite yeah. Jordan Lynch, but not everybody can be. Anyways, let's get into some final burning questions. I would love to add this to bear with me, especially during the off season, where we just take some questions and we'll sure. start with one from Bear for Life at the Maxter Fifty Two. He says, "Polls could theoretically package two second rounders for a late first, a second, and a third with the Chiefs if he could." There, are, like, let's talk about trading up in general because it, trading two picks for three picks with a second rounder back might not happen, but. If it's you, Lester, does trading up make sense? Like, be, beget the or forget the nerd stuff. Like, obviously, I'm not a fan of trading up, just like every other number cruncher out there. But do you see trading up as something that fits in this year's plan? I'm not a fan of trading up, but if if you truly believe one of those Buckeye wide receivers is going to be a difference maker for your franchise, and we just saw it happen with the Bengals, you know, they got Joe Burrow's guy. You know, if 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 you are bought all in on Justin Fields. And we don't know if, if the franchise is yet or not. We, we think they are. We hope they are. But if they are all, all in on Fields, there's a chance to move up and get one of his guys. And you believe he can do it, then maybe you go ahead and do it. That, other than that, though, I, I wouldn't trap. I would stay pat and let the board come to you and take the best player available. We've talked about the Madden image of the upgrade that comes from a flat-out roster hole like Dakota Dozier. Uh, up to somebody somebody competent. There's too many of those holes. And frankly, I think Pace's teams over the last couple of years, Lester, have done a really, really good job of teaching why you can't have a thin team either. Just because you yeah. covered all the holes doesn't mean that you don't need a Nick Krakowski when Roquan Smith goes down in 2019. Like, you got to have players that can step in in limited action because when you're down, gosh, remember that 2020 game where they were having Alex Bars start at center? He'd never played center before in his life. They had Arlington Hambright, who had just gotten called up from the practice squad. I think Lachavius Simmons made an appearance in that game. Jermaine I, I, think Simmons got, I think Simmons got hit with COVID oh, the night right. before the game and it was it was a Rashad Coward special that game it I was it was Coward it, it was it was a rough game Leno never Titans. ever like missed games so I think he was yeah. there and they'd gotten Ifedi back but he looked worse than any of them and I wish that was a joke uh like you can't do that and and so I think whether it's staying where they are or trading back even just a little bit um I think that adding more talent, like more net talent, is better than specific, incredible talent, especially because, Lester, I mean, I doubt that um, it's a secret that the Bears roster isn't super good. So if yeah. you want that creme de la creme talent, use next year's first. <laughs> like, you just stay patient, and you might end up with a top 10 pick to use one or one place or another. 
So another question we've got, this one from Ken. Robert Zaglinski has an article on Winnie City Gridiron about the possibility of bringing back Kyle Fuller. What say you? Kick the tires or nah? Me, yeah. I, I think you. I think having a veteran like him, that's one thing. He, when he was in Chicago, he was always known for his – he was a physical corner. And he seemed like he's more of a zone-based corner, which is what the Bears are going to run this year. You know, I, I, what is he, 31? You know, he didn't have the greatest year last year in Denver, but – you bring him in, he's going to come in at close to close to vet minimum. You know, you know he's a true professional, and you you need a couple of those guys in our roster. You need you need a few good locker room guys. And yeah, it's not one of a uh, Fluss's guys from Indy, but he's a guy you can trust. You can bring him in, and you know he may compete for a spot outside. I, I think if you're going to look at Thomas Graham starting over Kyle Fuller, I think Kyle Fuller probably wins that job just because of the experience and he understands it. You know, and you may be stunting Graham's growth a little bit, but if you don't think Thomas Graham's ready for that starting spot, you got to get a starting corner. So it's funny that you mentioned uh, Graham because I was going to bring that up. I think there's a human element to this, right? A lot. It takes two sides to tango, and a lot of times Bears fans, or not just Bears fans, teams of fans of any team will tell themselves that their team could have just offered a little bit more money and then they would have won that negotiation. And that's not always true. I mean, take a look at Allen Robinson's deal in Los Angeles. I doubt that that was the most expensive offer on the table, but it was to go to the now Super Bowl champions. So there's there's some extra value there. I think if you're going to bring back Kyle Fuller, which I am for, he fits the system, he adds veteran depth, this is better than playing Kendall Vildor, you are bringing him back in a depth role. So that's a demotion. Like, he's coming back to the team that drafted him round one, and I'm telling him, I don't actually care how well you play in training camp, Graham's starting over you, and you're not playing until somebody gets hurt. And if he's willing to do that, of course, come aboard. But I, I think that that actually would be maybe difficult. I mean, that would be admitting to, or in Fuller's case, that he's at the end of the road. And Andy Dalton didn't want to do it. Who would, right? A lot of these guys consider themselves starters. I mean, Akeem Hicks is never going to say die. There's a reason that he hasn't been signed. And he would not be a bad signing in Chicago. But I tend to think that Poles wants to completely distance himself from the yeah. old regime. Which, now that I think about it, Maybe the treatment of Akeem Hicks, who would have made sense at 3-Tech, is a sign that Kyle Fuller may just not be on their table purely because he had a long history in Chicago. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I like. I would love it. I would love to see both those guys back. I just don't see it happening. Right. And then a third question that we'll go over is... What do you think, or why do you think the people are so low on the Bears' output this year? By no means, this is from Jordan Silvera, Jordan T. Silvera. By no means am I saying that the Bears are going to the Super Bowl, but you've got all sorts of people saying that they're a bottom two roster, that they're definitely going to be awful, that they've got, or they're definitely going to end up with a top five pick. And that seems wild to me, given the turnarounds that we've seen in the NFL, just like even the Texans, who were quote unquote guaranteed to lose all their games, and they certainly didn't. Do you think, Lester, that there is such a thing as taking paper teams and maybe projecting too far into something where coaching can make such a massive impact? And gracious alive, Lester, I'll say something scary. If Justin Fields does take a step that no Chicago quarterback has ever taken, the team gets a lot better really fast. Yeah, I think it's all about Justin Fields. And I think right now, league-wide, they're not probably as high on, on him as they were when he was you know, coming in as a rookie, he did struggle last year. He had a lot of, you know, bad mistakes. And I think that his film that's out there now, you know, some of these analysts look at that and say, you know what, they're not, they don't truly believe he's going to take that next step. 
you know, then you look at what they have on the roster and, you know, they, they did lose a lot of guys. I mean, they, they, there was no, no sexy signings or agency. I mean, I saw some, some, some guys that, that, that I think was uh, NFL.com or it could have been CBS. They were just ripping on the bears for doing nothing to help Justin Fields. But, you know, you look at the roster. I mean, they've done a few things. It wasn't a huge name. They didn't make a big trade for, for, for a guy like Metcalf, but they're building the Ryan Poles way. It's not sexy. It's not exciting. And these analysts want to see flash. And right now there's no flash. And then a lot of times you look at, you know, what, what Matt Nagy did his first year, you know, that's uncommon. Usually the first year you do take a little bit of step back. So I think that's why nationally they're looking at the Bears as they're going to take a step back. But but like I said earlier, this team may have a worse record than, than last year. But I see this team, I see the arrow pointing up. Right. Because, because I believe in Justin Fields. I think he's the right guy for the job. I just think that – he has that makeup where you – he has that alpha makeup. You know, nothing's going to phase him. Nothing's going to shake him. He's working hard right now in the offseason. You know, he has that it factor, and we haven't seen that really in a Bears quarterback. I mean, with Mitch, it was there a little bit in, in, in shades, but Mitch seems content to kind of be one of the guys. And where Justin Fields, you look at him, he's just like, he's alpha. He's, he's out there. You know, he's front and center. You know, he has that about him. He has the guys working out. I think they're going to be – a much better team than what some national pundits believe they will be to save you from a Fields Trubisky comparison, because that is a rabbit hole. We do not need to go down. One of my favorite things about Justin Fields at this stage is that even into one rookie season that was bad and we don't need to pretend it was good. If somebody asked what is Fields good at, we can point to something right with Mitch, even in his best seasons, he was not so much good at anything as he was decent at everything, right? He had solid athleticism. He was keeping up a very solid completion percentage. He was running his offense. He was doing this and that. But there wasn't ever really something that you could say Mitch was really good at that, maybe not turning the ball over, which actually he was quite exceptional at. I mean, truly, Mitch, when you look back, was the quarterback that I think Chicago dreamed of for years that would just t- hand the ball off, not throw interceptions, and take care of the football. He did, right? And in Fields' case, he's a very good deep thrower. That's what we know. We saw that at the intermediate and the deep levels, he can be more accurate than other comparison quarterbacks in the NFL, which I think is really important, right? And so we have something that we can say, Fields is good at that. Now we need to build off it, and he needs to take the things like those short throws that he was not very good at, fumbles, which he was cataclysmically bad at, sacks, which got a lot better throughout the year. I mean, your sack watch got easier and easier as Fields got more and more game experience. But even so, like there are things he obviously needs to work on, but at least we know that we had things or that he's good at something. But at least for me, the primary key over these next this next month, really, is I could dream up, Lester, scenarios where the bears fix themselves right well they get tyler smith and he's a beast they get alec pierce and he's exactly what they need they get they sign jc treader and they're just yeah right now the bears wide receiver room taking Allen robinson as a non-factor which is not fair but for the back half of the season even when he was on the field he wasn't helpful the bears wide receiver room has gotten ever so slightly better because i think byron pringle's a better player than marquise goodwin and demir bird put together yes. and it felt like it was just mooney there for a little while now it's mooney plus pringle the offensive line has taken a step back i think lucas patrick is a decent upgrade over sam mustafer but they've let daniels go and outside of that the tackles are 
pretty much the same. If anything, Jason Peters might be a loss worth mentioning here. Until they draft the guys that we think they will draft, we can't say they're better, right? Yeah. But they should draft those guys. And once they do, <laughs> we can say maybe they're at least the same. There's an element of I need to see it to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I the, agree. I think I'm higher than Jenkins and Borum than most Bears fans are. Like, I'm high on Jenkins for sure. I think Jenkins is going to be wherever he ends up. I think he's going to be, you know, a damn good football player. I think Borum has has a lot of upside. And like I said earlier, if the best he is is your swing tackle, that, that's a win for him. But, you know, he's another guy. He's he's putting the work in this offseason. You know, he he wants to be the starting tackle for the Bears, and he's going to come in and he's going to do everything he can to win that job. And whether they, they, they get a guy in, in the draft like Smith, a guy that come in and play tackle as well, you know, there's – like we talk about it's a deep class at, at O-line. You know, Larry Barham's going to have somewhere to fit in, in that role there. You know, Absolutely. whether it's swing, whether it's right tackle, whether it's left. You know, who knows what they're going to do. They may flip-flop Jenkins and Barham again. I can't wait for some mini camps to see – and hopefully the beat guys are allowed to talk about where these guys are playing because I want to know where Jenkins is lining up day one of minicamp. Dying to know. I'm day gonna... one. Where the hell is he at? That's Lester, what I want to know. There's a real, real world where Poles decides that Tevin Jenkins is a like he's a mover, he's a displacer, that the offensive zo- or outside zone scheme needs guys that can move people, and they kick him to guard and draft awesome. tackles. Like it would be weird. <laughs> I think he looked solid as a left tackle, but he like that there's an option there. So like you're saying, I mean, like we we need to get to that point. I, I wish I could see in the future and be like, who's on the team? Let me talk about who's on the team. But instead, we got to wait a couple months. Sounds like as we close up, Lester, we're getting reports that Matthew Adams, a linebacker from the Colts, is now reporting that he is, in fact, a Chicago Bear. So another linebacker added, which that makes... From the Colts, right? Yes. And if memory serves, that's going to put them at four linebackers at this stage. I'm already counting Anthony Hitchens, and I shouldn't. So three... Well, they did pick up Joe Thomas, and they picked up another guy early in free agency. They were street free agents. They're more athletic guys. It was Joe Thomas and uh, Noah Dawkins. Uh, they're classic uh, special team guys. But, uh, again, they fit the, the Iberflus mold because totally. they are young, athletic, and hungry. And they may not be nothing more than a depth guy, but that's that's quality what the Bears need right now. Let me put it this way, Lester, because what I'm really watching for is how much better are they getting under the assumption that where they place a stopgap, they don't want to draft someone. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Right. Like, I would expect a better stopgap at X receiver if this wasn't the case, and we didn't get one. So if they had signed DJ Chark, I would have expected them to not draft Christian Watson, right? But they didn't. They signed Nicholas Morrow. They signed Justin Jones. So they need, like, somebody to be the guy at this point. Um or else, I don't think, or I don't know if that's where their draft is targeting. But honestly... The more I think about that, that could be me working the Ouija board a little too hard and starting to see some see things that aren't there. You know, well, well I mean? they're adding they're adding guys on defense. They're adding guys that fit the scheme on defense. You right. know, they're bringing here. Here's a guy, another guy from the Colts. He, he knows the scheme. He can help them kind of transition. You know, I got to dig in a little more. I, if he's a guy, I think he is. I know he started a few games last year for the Colts. I'm not sure. I have to dig back into. It. But I know as soon as they, they hired Matt Eberflus, I looked at the Colts for agency right away because I figured they're going to bring in at least one guy. Okay. Like Al Qadim Muhammad, yeah, you could see it from space. Awesome. Yeah, that was that was a no brainer. I figured they'd bring in some linebackers. You know, I know uh, they have a corner, they have a safety, they're still free. We'll see what happens. But now they have at least two. 
help with the scheme transition. So plugging those holes on defense, which again, s- sets you up to take the best player available on offense in the draft. I am so excited for this defense. I feel like I yeah. shouldn't be. It's not like it's an inventive scheme. If anything, the Bears I love are... the scheme. I, I love the, yeah. the Lovey Smith Tampa 2 style. I love the way they play the the hits philosophy. I, I love that that meatball kind of stuff. You look at it, oh, that's corny. No, I love it. I, I, you mm-hmm. know, I played football. I coach football. I love that. The M&M boys. I, I love all those little things he uses to kind of put it out there. And I'll tell you what, players eat that stuff up too. Yep. You know, as long as they understand this is what I expect of you. I'm, I'm holding you accountable with this, with the loafs. You're loafing. It's, you're, I'm, I'm holding you accountable. You this is the hits that. philosophy. The players love that. You mm-hmm. know, there'll be some that don't like it. They'll be like, oh, this is not for me. And when and they you know get what? a loaf, guys, obviously they're not going to be like, yes. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the players that don't buy in, they're going to get the hell out as, as quickly as and they'll find a brand new guy to come in and they will take that spot and it's going to be fun. And another thing that I want to mention, so whenever I've got defensive questions, I tend to go talk to somebody I've had on the podcast a lot, Brandon Robinson, yeah. who's not only coordinated defense at the high school level, but and also coached DBs in like a professional level, though, arena football at the time. I don't need to read off his whole biography. But the point is, he pointed something out about uh, Sean Desai's defense that I never would have caught, which is that by the back half of the season, they were letting guys take on roles that they just weren't good at. And it almost suggests that Eddie Jackson asked to play slot corner, for instance, and got his way in some man scenarios that as inventive as that Sean Desai defense started, that we might have at least partially see it fade because the players got to experiment with kind of whatever they wanted to do. Whereas Eberflus's system is much more rigid. It's that's not what we do here, guys. They're going to, of course, have different tags for how they'll play different receivers and different or different offenses. You're going to play the Packers differently than you're going to play the Jets, for instance. But the scheme is the scheme that they're not Mm -hmm. reinventing the wheel, which I know Nagy and his whole staff had a real problem with during the last four years of our lives for crying out loud that I'm, I'm interested to see this low investment, high yield defense that the whole goal at least seems to be, let's get more out than we put in. I'm curious as to whether we're going to see that continue going forward, by the way of just, are they going to invest heavy resources into the defense or is the plan as unusual as it would be for a defense oriented head coach is the plan to build a 35 to 40% defensive investment, 60 to 65% offensive investment football team with the ideal of we're going to invest 15th, maybe lower, and we're going to yield 10th or higher. Does that make sense? that's that's the dream i mean that's that's today's nfl you know today's nfl is offense oriented it's it's the rules have been changed you know once you get the quarterback figured out everything falls into place but that's where the bears are now they're still kind of in a holding pattern is justin fields the guy if he's the guy a lot of these problems the bears have go away if he's the guy the the receivers the tight ends the the line it'll all get figured out if he's the guy that's the next step but uh yeah it's uh exciting times the defense is, is is coming together setting things up for the draft super exciting times and speaking of exciting times lester we have a lot to plug lately yeah. not only are we going to get back to more consistent like 
podcasts and streams as the draft ramps up. Not only is Windy City Gridiron's Lunch Pail Draft Cast with Danny Meehan, J- or, uh, Jacob Infante, and whoever else they want to have on going to continue moving, but we are going to be live streaming on this channel, Run Pass Opinion, day two of the NFL Draft, which should really be awesome. It's going to be me, Jeff Burkus, Jacob Infante, and a whole host of other WCG madmen, as we'll be talking about not only the picks that are happening, but especially once the Bears make picks, we're going to start breaking them down immediately. Like, we're going to get film out, we're going to talk about not only what they're good at, but what we're seeing, what we've got to look forward to in this next 2022 Bears season. This should be a really fun show. I'm really excited about it. So mark your calendars for day two of the draft. We will be live throughout. Lester, any Anything else that you're looking for? That's what I'm excited for. I mean, that's that's going to be it's the first time that we've done something at this magnitude. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of cool podcast stuff coming up that goes along with that. A lot of cool video stuff that goes along with it, obviously. So subscribe to Robert's Run Pass Opinion. Subscribe to our second City Grid on yes. YouTube channel as well, because that's where we're going to put some of the some of the pods that we're going to cut up from the show. We're going to put it on there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. That's All really around. key. If you want to do Windy City Gridiron a favor, and I hope you would because it's near and dear to my heart, take a look in the description and subscribe to Second City Gridiron. We want to get that subscriber count above a 1,000 so that YouTube considers it legitimate because as corny as it sounds, that stuff matters. So drop a subscription. We'll have more content, even some of uh, like some analytical stuff from me. It's going to be coming out on that channel, so make sure you're subscribed to it. You're doing us a favor, and also you You'll get some cool stuff out of it. Thank you so much for sticking with us, everybody. It's been super fun. Lester, any final thoughts before we pop off? Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with me.